those fingers in my hair That sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft And I've got no defense for it The heat is too intense for it What good would common sense for it do? Cause it's witchcraft We're back with another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I am Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And if you have been listening along week by week with us, you probably thought that we weren't doing this podcast anymore. Yep, thought we were we were gone. Just disappeared from the internet. Off the face of the earth. Like uh, Richard Simmons. Oh. He did that a few years ago. <laughs> for, all, for all of you over the age of uh, 30 who know who Richard Simmons is, all of our younger listeners, uh, you can Google Richard Simmons. He was a very flamboyant uh, fitness instructor. <laughs> yeah, you can just ignore it because it's probably just a waste of time. Nobody cares. Yeah, nobody cares. But if That's you're li- why he left the internet. If you're listening to this Years after we recorded, after all these shows have been archived, you're probably just binging them, and this one just popped up right after the other one, so there was no delay. But if you're one of our regular listeners, there's there's been a big delay in Potter Nation out there, Rhino Nation, Rhino Potter Nation, Nation, Butter Beer Nation. Ooh, Butter Beer Nation. I joined that. May the the butter beer be with you. Did you just make that up? (laughs) No, that's clever. I like that. If you're listening week by week with us, we've been out of commission for a little while. Jessica I've has been, been out of commission. Jessica has been deathly ill. She's had the deathly hollows. <laughs> I've had a horrible, horrible cough. You will probably still hear me coughing or at least clearing my throat throughout this podcast, so sorry about that. And while I get a chance here, let me clear my throat. But it's been like two months now that I've been coughing. It's been really bad. Really bad. Like, can't breathe coughing. But I'm somewhat better. Mm -hmm. And I think we can get through this with minimal coughing. We'll soldier through, like Dumbledore's Mm -hmm. army. Mm -hmm. Are we ready? I'm trying to drop some. Drop some knowledge? (laughs) Some Harry Potter things just to kind of get back into into the groove here. But we are on Chapter 7 of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Which we read like a month ago. It was a long time ago. And had to just sit down and... I had to skim through it again. Just oh, and you skimmed through and... Uh, what what book is that oh. over there? Oh, yes. I have a new book. Oh. I got... Here, I'm picking it up to show you. Right. So it's that great for audio. Audio. audio Your Von Vanna White mm-hmm. here. If anybody knows mm-hmm. who that is. I mean, we're young yeah, anybody, people. Again, anybody under the age of 30, <laughs> you can Google who Vanna White is. Vanna White. I have... Uh, I got for our anniversary. I got an anniversary present. The 20th anniversary edition of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And Ravenclaw edition, of course. And when we're recording this, the 20th anniversary editions of all seven books just came out with the new covers. Mm-hmm. But they also released 
the house versions of the second book, which is what we're on, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I had a hard time getting that. I had to go to Amazon UK to find it because you couldn't even pre-order it on our Amazon website. You could pre-order it on the official Harry Potter merchandise site, I guess. But apparently, I guess it's getting rolled out in the UK first. And you said you've already noticed some differences between the... In, in the, the language. Yes, so the first one, first time I read the chapter last month at my first doctor's visit for the coughing, mm. as I was sitting in the waiting room, I read the first, or that was the first time I read the chapter. That was odd that that's, that's when I read the chapter too, because yes. I went to the doctor with you because yes. I was sick as well. I was not as bad as you were. No, you I, were like just starting right. to get sick. I, and I you caught it very it early and, and got some medicine and was better within a week. I ignored it for two weeks mm-hmm. and then went to the doctor when I couldn't take it anymore, which is generally what I do. And now I'm still coughing. And then the smoke got me. I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. But uh, yeah, I read the regular, you know, US edition at the doctor's office and then this time skimming and all I was doing was skimming and I like you said I caught some changes already sure and that was kind of fun when we did the first book because you were reading the Ravenclaw edition of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone Mm -hmm. and I was reading the US version Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and it was kind of fun to just see the little differences in in nomenclature and and different differences and how it was written and presented to the different audiences. I thought that was kind of neat. So I think it'll be kind of fun going forward. I kind of missed that when we were both reading the same book now. <laughs> you know, the, the the different ways that it was, that the words were communicated in the UK style versus the US, but we'll get to revisit that again now that you have this beautiful copy of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets Ravenclaw edition. Maybe we'll uh, put a picture of that out on the Facebook page so you guys can take a look at it. You can always uh, reach us on that Facebook page. Just look up Broomsticks and Butterbeer on Facebook. You can always send us an email at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com and I got a little surprise for you. We got an email at the end here. Really? Yeah, it's been saving for a while. I like to surprise you with those, mm-hmm. you know, just to kind of make you smile. Uh, that people actually do email us, and uh, we really appreciate that. If you send us an email, I will give every effort to read it on the air and give you a little shout out. But let's roll forward with chapter 7, Mudbloods and Murmurs. A lot going on in this chapter. Of course, I have copious notes of course. to guide us through, and I'm going to give you the I have pl- none. I the, didn't even get my notebook out didn't this time. Didn't even try. Didn't even didn't, didn't even pretend to try nope. this time. Didn't even put Well, on I airs. read it the first time at the doctor's office, so I didn't take any notes while I was there. Not that I ever You weren't physically notes. able. No. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. And then this time I didn't really do a full reread. I just kinda skimmed over it to remind myself of what happened. Just a little anecdote here as your cough got better it got to the point when you would only cough when you would laugh laugh so yes it, that makes doing this particularly hard because and i why know is that? you're gonna make me laugh and why, and why would i why would you laugh why would you constantly be laughing in this household 
I just want to hear you say you, it. You're fishing here. I just want you. I just want to hear you say it. <laughs> because you like to make me laugh. And, but if I wasn't funny, you wouldn't <laughs> laugh. See, the the thing with with our, as we're recording this, 15 years of marriage. So high five up top. Is Jessica has kind of gotten over my uh, my comedy routine? Yeah, I was gonna say you got to put the word routine in there. Your comedy <laughs> routine that you bust Stra- out for newer people. Strangers that meet me think I'm hilarious. Yes, but Jessica, who's known me as we're, we're recording got, like, a this hit. for eight, <laughs> well, <laughs> you bust out the hit when you go to see the Rolling Stones in concert. I wouldn't. Do you want to hear them play stuff off their new album, or do you want to hear the hits? I'm assuming I would know the hits. <laughs> I don't mm, know what any of them are, but I'm assuming I would have at least heard them. So probably those. Um, probably as we're talking right now, I'm sure there's some Rolling Stones playing in the background, because we've got the best... Because ed- you're making a note to do it right now. Uh, no, I was going to say because we have the best editing staff in the business. Oh. We have literally I mean, do- they're making a note dozens right of interns now. running around the <coughs> massive recording studio right now, preparing for the inevitable edi- editing process. Yeah, are they going to edit out all my coughs? Oh no, those are <laughs> those are those are going to be too hard. <laughs> those have to stay in. Whoever is editing this authentic. is going to have to go back and find all the coughs, and he or she may not want they. to go through and do all that. So let's talk about what happened in the last chapter. Last chapter was, I think some of the, speaking of music, some of the music played on the last chapter was, if you you listen to the last episode, was all about vanity. Oh. It was songs about people who think very highly of themselves. For example, You're So Vain. You probably think this song is about you. You know that song, right? Yes, I know that song. From, you, you, but you only know that from the movie. uh, (laughs) Exactly. With the great Kate Hudson. Yeah, she's she's good. Yeah, she's good. She's solid. But <laughs> we th- it was all about vanity because the last chapter was all about Gilderoy Lockhart, a man who thinks very highly of himself. And at the end of the chapter, there was a big disagreement between the trio, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, about his legitimacy. What were the, the students kind of thinking how did they part company on their opinions of Gilderoy Lockhart at the end of the last chapter I didn't skim the end of the last chapter but you have read it dozens (laughs) of times over the years how does for example Hermione feel about um, Gilderoy Lockhart Hermione's a little little smitten as all the the ladies are thinks he's the bee's knees he's he's a pretty fella what can we say Mm -hmm. and he um puts on a good show. However, the boys are not so easily influenced by the physical <laughs> appearance of Gilderoy Lockhart. But how pretty he is. Right. And there was a, a an incident in uh, the, the previous chapters where Gilderoy Lockhart was in Dada class, Defense Against the Dark mm-hmm. Arts, attempting to cast some seemingly simple spells and things got away from him and he was not as effective as maybe he people feel he should have been given all the books and all the stories he's told and written 
So I think that Harry and Ron are a little bit on the, the opposite side of the fence. They're a little skeptical. Yeah, they wonder if this guy is a fraud or not. And I hate to use the F word there, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, I know that's a strong, strong allegation, but whether this man who is world renowned and super popular and super respected by a majority of the wizarding community, seemingly, or at least the female wizarding community, whether or not he's legitimate. And that's kind of where we left off the last chapter. We also met Colin Creevy, the newest Harry Potter superfan. Superfan. He's in the movies a smidge, but not like he is in the books. And he seems to have memorized Harry's daily routine. No, his timetable. Ah, his, his timetable. In my book, it's called a timetable. Well, it's not just his like class schedule, and it's not just like when he takes lunch. Colin Creevy seems to know where Harry's at at all times. At all like times. when he takes his bathroom breaks, when he uh, writes writes notes home, when he does when he has he Quidditch. Doesn't do that. When he has oh, that's right. <laughs> well, he might write to the Weasleys. There you go. <laughs> yeah, definitely not the Dursleys. Though. I'm just I'm just trying to think of. Outside of do. paper timetable things that Colin Creevy seems to always kind of appear in a poof of smoke and always be there. Flash hey Harry, of light. how's it going? Hey Harry, how's it going? Flash of light in reference to His how he's always camera. taking pictures. And he wanted to get a, a Polaroid, a magical Polaroid, and have Harry sign it. Which led to, listen to our previous episodes, led to a, a whole lot of trouble for Harry. But in Chapter 7, Harry's actually looking forward to doing some relaxing, maybe sleep in for once. Oh yeah, he had a rough week. He did. Between avoiding Colin and Professor Lockhart. I just called him Mr. Lockhart. That Mm -hmm. didn't sound right in my head. Professor Lockhart. Yeah, show some respect. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Ron's having a hard time. His wand is still broken and causing all kinds of problems he just it's been a rough week for the boys it it has they're looking forward to you know kind of a a down weekend hiding going and visiting hagrid kind of getting away yeah low-key when harry's awoken by quidditch captain oliver wood for an early morning practice this is super early does it say what time it was it seemed like it was but it was before dawn wasn't it right i was like in my mind, I was kind of thinking, and I don't know if, if I read this in, in the chapter or if it was just me kind of coming to my own conclusion. I'm thinking it's like 4.30, 5 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. And it's before breakfast is even being served. Yeah, before breakfast. Because I know after, once they finally get started or are mm-hmm. about to get started, he says that the sun is actually up now. Mm-hmm. And that had been a long time. So sure. I'm assuming, yeah, somewhere before, you know, hour or two before dawn. And Harry reluctantly goes, and of course he is intercepted by Colin Creevy. Of course, because what else is Colin doing? I, I hurt somebody up, and, and it turns out it was you. And I, where you headed? Where are you going? Doing? What's going on? Is it going to be fun? And he just wants to follow Harry anywhere, and Harry tells Colin that he's going to Quidditch practice. And for some reason, Colin is, has no idea about anything Quidditch related, right? Yeah, well, he's muggle born. So, like, okay. he didn't even understand how. He, like, he thought it was amazing that you could develop pictures mm-hmm. and they'd be moving if you do it a certain way of magic. So, yeah, he, this is all new to him. Now, is Colin's a first year 
Yes. Okay. So it, it would make sense. It would make more sense that he would be unaware because there haven't been any Quidditch games. The season yeah. hasn't. And he even started says, "I've like never that. seen Quidditch games." So he wants to go watch them practice, mm-hmm. and like he thinks he's going to see a game. Right. I'm like, "No, that's not really how it works." Yeah, but, it kind of okay. just gives another example of how clueless he is to the whole sport. But he gets a, a crash course in Quidditch. <laughs> you know, over like a two-page period, Harry get okay. There's this many people. We use flying brooms. The goal is to get this ball through these hoops. We have these things that hit this other ball to try to knock other people off course. And then there's another ball that you have to that has little wings on it that you have to go try to get. He gets the the Cliff Notes version. Yeah. Of Quidditch. And the Gryffindor team is in the locker room, all sleepy eyed. And I wrote down the names here because I wanted to see if any of these kind of we need to keep an eye on for for later. So, of course, we got Fred and George. Which I can't Weasley. believe that Oliver got them up. <laughs> like, I'm assuming their, their room would be booby-trapped and Oliver wouldn't even make it in. But, you know, that's just another thing that, that we talked about on a previous chapter. For all the goofiness and the silliness that Fred and George do... They don't get enough credit for how. Res- I, I hate to use the word responsible when I talk about Fred. And George <laughs> I know it doesn't Weasley, work, but, but it's true. It is true. I think I you brought up that point on a, on a previous episode. No, actually, I think uh, it was at our panel. Oh, was it at our Which insanely success insanely yet. successful panel that we had at the St. Louis Comic Con? Yes, just a few weeks ago. Yes, celebrating I, the 20th anniversary of Harry Potter and it was a standing room only crowd? Are you yes, talking about that yes, one? that panel. That, the insanely successful. And really, kind of the one of the only panels they had yeah, at St. Louis Comic Con. So it was nice that we could do that for the people. Yes, give them something. And give do. away some swag, too. Oh, yes. We, we were away. extremely popular. Yeah. Well, anytime you give away free stuff, free you're stuff. popular. Even the guys at the, like the State Farm booth that give away the the keychains. Oh my god! The keychains that are bottle openers. Yes, I will switch. Yes, I will switch my insurance <laughs> for a higher rate. You just gave me a keychain. I like the ones that give you the free sunglasses. I've collected a lot of those. Yeah, the sunglasses you could easily buy at the dollar store. Same, same quality. But you'll happily switch your insurance for a higher premium because they gave you stuff. I didn't have to switch anything. Spin the wheel. You like spinning the wheel. I love spinning the wheel. Man, if we would have had a wheel at our panel, like people's heads would have exploded. That would have been too much. Yeah, it would have been I mean, too much. Too much. We got to have stuff for next year. We got to leave, leave mm-hmm. the people wanting more. But I think you're right. I think that that did come up at the yeah, at the insanely one of the successful was panel. The most underrated, and I think I said them because they're not rated. They're rated. People love Fred and George, but they don't. They only see them as the one-sided goofs. Yeah, and just see them as goofy. And, yeah. How about Alicia Spinett? Anything about her? Um, she's always around. She's always on the Quidditch team. Katie Bell. Always around. Angelica Johnson. Always around. The, so. It was just like the Quidditch team is always around. Okay. And are these older? Older. Older students, so that they will kind of cycle out over the next several books as we get younger people on the Quidditch team up more up-and-comers yeah 
Quidditch. And we still have a couple more books of Quidditch, mm -hmm. but... Before everything just yeah, goes just the heck goes, in the handbasket. They, <laughs> they can't keep up with Quidditch. I don't think they bother with Quidditch, and it's been a while since I've read these, but I don't mm -hmm. think they bother with Quidditch the year of the Triwizard Tournament, because they have mm -hmm. so much other stuff going on, so that yeah. one kind of falls away. And then, like he said, things just get more and more dire Absolutely. as the books go on. They're busy with other things. But for these first set of books, yes. They, these This group of people are always around floating in and out. So we're all in the locker room and Oliver Wood is a little upset with everybody being less than enthusiastic about being up that early and about getting up for, for practice and kind of getting things going a lot earlier than, and not just in the day, but a lot earlier in the Season. year yeah. than, than we did in the past. And there's a little bit of a veiled shot at Harry that Oliver takes. He doesn't just call Harry out very clearly, but there is a little bit of a shot there that I that I wrote down when Oliver talks about we didn't win last year and he was kind of referencing why they didn't win because Harry was busy saving the world. Right. But, you know they were playing they were playing a man down. They and, and that was I thought was kind of weird. They don't have substitutes, I guess, on the, the Quidditch team. Guess not. I mean, I never really thought of it. I just assumed they would have some kind of substitute, but nobody else like practices with the team. Right. I mean, it would make sense to have at least like a six man. Yeah. I mean, this <laughs> to use a basketball is term. rather rather dangerous. Right. Right. Hardcore. Could you imagine playing, for example, a hockey game with just? <laughs> but maybe that's just the part people of on it. the ice. If you're you know, one of your beaters gets taken out, then that's mm. part of the game that you lost. Now you're playing a down a person. Kind of like in hockey, if you get a penalty, you have to play, you know, take the the disadvantage to that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's very interesting that, 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 that there's no kind of substitute because when Harry was out battling pure evil in the, in the dungeon of the school, he ended up in the hospital. You know, heaven forbid you save the world. And you can't make the Quidditch match. And, or heaven forbid, they can't move the Quidditch match a few days. <laughs> because said person was saving the world. And the team get mad about that. That's favoritism. Sure. <clears throat> but yeah, Oliver's very disappointed. Mm -hmm. Not directly at Harry. That was just the key incident. But he... He's excited. This team has potential. They could have won last year, but it seems Probably like... Probably should have won last year. Insurmountable yeah. odds were stacked against them. Um, but they were the better team, and they should have won. So he's excited about this year. And not in a great way, because he's got everybody up at dawn and super early months before the season actually starts, whatever. But he's really excited. Well, practice hadn't started for long before the Slytherin team shows up. And they show up with a letter from Snape giving them reservation of the practice field that Oliver is very adamant that he has reserved. I booked the field! I booked the field! I think he said <laughs> like it twice. He it the, probably the first day back. He got off the train and skipped going to directly to the feast and went and reserved the field. But because the, he wanted to start early. The Slytherin team has a new look this year. They have a new seeker, right? Mm -hmm. oh, yes. 
maybe does he have blonde hair and a pointy little face? A smirk on his face and a chip on his shoulder. Yes. And so, money in his pocket. <laughs> Draco. Draco Malfoy. Mal- or Malfoy. Mm-hmm. Draco Malfoy has joined the Slytherin team as their seeker. So he's Harry's counterpart. And he's. Like you said, he's playing the same position as Harry. Mm-hmm. They're going to be going head to head, going after uh, the Snitch in the in these matches. And you got to think that Draco's still steaming from the fact that last year Harry, as a first year student, was able to participate, and he wasn't. Yeah, and it's I, they don't come out and say it, but I get the feeling that even as a second year, it's still a little odd. Mm-hmm. Um, that. Draco's on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's probably kind of like high school varsity. Team. Yeah, I mean, especially since it's only six. What do we say? Six people, right? I mean, so, it's, it's, and there's no substitutes. No, yeah. So you got to be the best in the school, right. To be on the team, right? So, when yeah. you think of like high school basketball, you think of your five best guys or girls. The chances of them being freshmen and sophomores are. Are smaller. It it happens. Even it, if they're really talented, they right. still have to develop those mm-hmm. skills, right? And learn the drills and learn learn how to do it. So, I mean, I played when I was I played varsity baseball as as a freshman and a sophomore, and it was well hashtag humble brag, <laughs> but it was it was really rare. I think I was like the youngest. I was I was fourteen playing varsity baseball. And would it, your dad buy the team? <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> uh, my dad bought the, the public school <laughs> uh, baseball team. Now, what did he buy the team? Oh, he what did he buy the team? So he bought him a bucket, bucket of balls. God, I was I was I was lucky to get like a new glove so for myself. <laughs> so and I and that, and that was probably the hardware store money that I that I used. I started working at the hardware store when I was fourteen. Back in my day. We we had jobs when when we came out of the womb. Probably, yep. But it, it's really weird. It's really it doesn't happen that often. Sometimes it happens out of necessity. But in this case, it seems to have hap- happened because Draco's father, Lucius, has gifted the Slytherin squad new brooms new brooms for everybody remember that new broom harry got last year yeah the nimbus 2000 yeah well the whole slytherin squad is sporting nimbus 2001 yes brooms this year so the latest and greatest so even better than harry Potter. every single one of our brooms is better than your one best broom so it seems like draco's bought his way onto the team and, you know, that can happen when you have, you know, a situation like that. You know, I've heard of, like, private schools where the family, you know, bought, bought the, you know, are, uh, built a new field or something like that. And it has, the, it has their family name on it. And guess what? I bet that kid's always on the team. That kid's never going to get cut. That kid's probably never going to get in trouble with the coach. Money talks. And in, and in this and even in the wizarding community, community money talks. Ron and Hermione see they show up and they kind of see the squabble that's beginning to start between the Gryffindor and the Slytherin teams. 
And Draco makes a comment about the Gryffindor team. Maybe they could raise some gold to get new brooms. And they said they could even trade in the, the Weasley boys' brooms. Maybe a museum would want, <laughs> would want them because they're so old. I thought that was fun, kind of funny at that part, too. I just kept thinking, you know, Harry could buy everybody brooms. I have that in my notes right there! <laughs> that was going to be the next thing I said. Go ahead. <laughs> so, you know, Harry's just got this vault full of money. I'm, he didn't even buy his own broom. Mm-hmm. So he's just got all this money, you know, the Scrooge McDuck money, as you like to yes. say. Yes. Sitting there in the basement of Green Guts, he could very easily buy everybody brooms, but that's just not who he is. I mean, he's nice enough that he would have think that, but I don't mm-hmm. know. He we didn't. talked about that with the with the Weasleys when they went shopping, and they were having trouble kind of making ends meet at at Diagon Alley shopping shopping now for having five kids in school at one time you know they haven't only a couple have left the nest and have kind of you know forged their own path you've got five that are depending on you for school supplies and clothes and wands and and things like that and i wrote in my notes right here does the thought cross harry's mind that he could buy stuff for his team do you think the thought ever? Do you think the thought ever crosses his mind? I don't think so. Not that, and I hate like when I just said it just now, or the first time, I made it sound like he wouldn't think of that uh-huh. because he's just not nice enough to right. think of it. But he is. He's very giving. But I just don't think he thinks of it. One, I don't think he. It's not his default setting that. Oh, mm. I have a bunch of money. That's a good point. You know, so that doesn't just immediately pop into his head. Also, that's probably like a second thought for him. Like, man, I wish I could, I could buy a new wand or or, or new. Not that you could just go get a. You want to just go get a new wand? That's kind of like a big, yeah. you know, ceremony. But like new robes or something like that, and then he might kind of go, "Hey, I can, yeah. I do have money." Yeah. <laughs> but like you said, it's not his default setting. Yeah, it's not it's the first thing he thinks of. Um, and then by the time he would get around to that thought process, I think already, well, it's frowned upon that Draco did it, mm-hmm. but to buy his way on the team. So it's kind of like a tainted idea mm-hmm. at that point. Sure. So I don't think he would actually go there in his head. It's just kind of, for me, if somebody was throwing money in my face, if, if I had access to that, that would kind of be my first reaction just to kind of shut them up. You know, maybe next time they take the field, now they all got Nimbus two thousand and twos or two thousand and one point five or something like that, just to kind of, you know, it would be an easy yeah, be an easy way to stick it to Draco. But like you said, that's just not Harry's, not in his. I don't want to say it's not in his DNA, but it's not in his upbringing because he was you know brought up to think that he was second class and couldn't have access to stuff like that yeah no nice things for harry hermione makes the comment about draco buying his way onto the quidditch team and this is where things start to get i was going to say get a little hairy (laughs) but i won't say that i'm gonna say get a little nasty things do get very nasty as malfoy responds by calling hermione a mudblood and that's 
part of our half of our chapter title here, Mud, Bloods, and Murmurs. The murmurs will come later. You know it that the word is going to be important because it's in the title. So before we talk about the fallout of this derogatory term, what is the meaning or the significance of the word mudblood, and why is it such a slur in the magical world? It's, like you said, derogatory term for someone who is muggle-born. It's also called, like, they have dirty blood. Mm Mudblood, it's not pure blood, which is the opposite which is Draco's family. Where a wizard and another wizard, wizard. have a child. Yes. Right. So, um, Mudblood could be a wizard and a muggle, because mm-hmm. the muggle blood is dirtying it up. Mm-hmm. Or two, two muggles, mm-hmm. which is Hermione, you know, comes from two muggles. Right. So. So, why is it such a derogatory term? Why do the... It doesn't seem like there's... Like it's an overwhelming. It's it doesn't seem like there's an overwhelming part of the wizarding community that looks down on non-pure bloods, but there's definitely a section there because obviously the Malfoys feel that way, and there's probably there's got to be a, a section of of the wizarding society that feels that way too. But it's not an overwhelming theme. But why is it so? such a nasty thought and why is it such a nasty you know thing to say well i think part of that goes back to uh voldemort and that whole movement and a lot of the pure blood wizards are the ones that backed him and they're very anti-muggles and you know they kind of have that mentality that they're better than muggles they're better Mm -hmm. than ordinary humans because they have magic why should we hide when we could very easily defeat them gonna reference your x-men here Mm -hmm. you know you've got xavier charles xavier who wanted to just lay low and and live in harmony Mm -hmm. and 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 help society kind of behind the scenes Yeah. yeah and uh Magneto, who said, no, why should we... We're obviously superior to mm-hmm. them, so why, why should Why should we, we cower to, to the inferior? to him, human life didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a, squashing bugs. It wasn't a real loss mm-hmm. in his mind. He just didn't see it as having any importance. I'm going to kind of make a connection. and I didn't have it in my nose, but it just kind of popped into my head from what you were saying. I'm going to make a connection to as we record this in 2018. It just kind of popped into my head when I asked you, or, or when I said that it, it didn't seem like there was an overwhelming part of the wizarding community that felt this way. But maybe there's more than we think. Maybe there's more that have these feelings and they're just they just kind of keep them inside mm-hmm. because it's not socially accepted to be that rude or that uncouth so to speak even if you are mildly annoyed Mm -hmm. that you have to have certain Mm -hmm. inconveniences in your life because you have to hide from muggles but if you voice those concerns then you're risking being branded you know a death eater or a sympathizer with the more dark side of it and i'm going to kind of compare it to 
what we've been experiencing over the last few years in here in America with with President Trump, it, it's no to me it's painfully obvious that people feel more comfortable the last couple years with saying derogatory stuff or saying use the word racist stuff because they feel like their opinions that they've had inside for for all this time are now warranted because they have a president who can say who says stuff like that all the time and if the most powerful man in the world quote unquote can say that now i feel comfortable coming out and saying that and that might be a, a you know part of the of the whole Voldemort, not not to say that Trump is Voldemort. <laughs> not say, not saying that for you Republican listeners out there. I'm just saying that a lot of that part of the wizarding community probably felt like that and didn't just have an outlet for that until Voldemort came along. And then they had somebody that they could get behind. Somebody with some power to do something about these feelings that they had. And that, that just, to me, like, again, not saying that <laughs> that our president is the Dark Lord. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that, I think I saw, like, a stand-up comedian talk about that. You know, people's, th- people's thoughts that are out there now that we see on the, you know, these uh, protests and, you know, white supremacy and things like that that we see on the news, like, seemingly every day. This is not new feelings that people are having. People are just letting them out now. You know, this is not, this didn't just get, like, these thoughts didn't just pop into their head, like, overnight. They just feel like that it's okay to to share them now. And I think, I just, I see a lot of similarities between that, you know, when this book was written in the, you know, late 90s, to what we're experiencing right now in 2018. I think a lot of stories that have this kind of setup where someone bad, mm-hmm. Voldemort, got increasingly powerful and got this huge following. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, maybe some of the people were just, they're just annoyed and fed up with having to hide themselves. Mm-hmm. They're not really hating muggles. They hate the fact that they're inconvenienced. Mm-hmm. So that would have been very easy for them to be like, oh, finally, this guy understands. And like you said with, Ma- with Magneto, too. And, you know. you know, getting sucked into that. Whether once they got all the way in and they went, oh, mm-hmm. I, what? We're just killing people? Mm-hmm. I didn't, that's not what I signed up for. And you see that even, like, to go back to the X-Men reference, you see that with Magneto. He gets these followers. For example, uh, Rogue of the X-Men was a, a bad guy at the beginning. And a, a follower of, of Magneto, and then she kind of realized, well, whoa, 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 you know, you kind of, you know, sold me a bill of goods here, and then ends up becoming moving over to the hero side. There's there's a lot of parallels there, and then even like you said, with with somebody who all of a sudden rises to power. I mean, Hitler did the same thing in the 1940s. You know, all of a sudden had all had was bringing these countries together who who had similar beliefs to him and you know really kind of tried to take over the world you know with the same uh, Voldemort-esque uh, tactics so you know, it's just weird how you know literature whether it's 
on purpose or not. And that's another, we talked about that at our at our insanely successful panel at St. Louis Comic Con. How it can mirror society. We talked about that with with the houses, where how you know certain people. If you say you're a Hufflepuff or a Ravenclaw or a Gryffindor or a Slytherin, you get judged right away based on that because we want to group people into different thing, different groups into society. So I just thought that was interesting. Uh, so welcome to the Rhino Political Review. <laughs> and history lesson. With, and history with Dan and Jess. But let's get back to what happened in the chapter here. Before we talk about Ron's reaction to what Draco said, because I thought Ron's reaction was a little bit more predictable. He had a predictably big reaction given his friendship with Hermione and all the things they've been through over the last couple of years. But Fred and George, when they hear this, they have to be held back, too, from going after Draco. Oh, but they're just goofballs. Can you speak to that at all? Um, I think you were saying, right when you were saying that, you know, you you expected that kind of reaction from Ron because the friendship, mm-hmm. I was immediately thinking, well, no, it's their upbringing. Their parents are like that, you know, the, her, their dad is very into muggle things, and they they just have a... A totally different upbringing. I'm very, very tolerant. And, know. and we know that that the, that uh, the dad is very obsessed with Muggle items and Muggles in general. Kind but, of in awe of them, right? And but, even Molly said something. I mean, she was talking about the charmed car being bigger on the inside. Oh, Muggles are so smart, mm-hmm. you know. So they kind of are brought up with this. But I think not just that they're equals, but they're kind of cool. Yeah, but I think within that too, it's not just a fascination with it. It is. A respect thing mm-hmm. you know being just respecting human life yeah in general I, even if it was another wizard full you know uh, full-blooded wizard mm-hmm. insulting a full-blooded wizard they would sure come to aid because that's just how they're brought up so Fred and George are held back and Ron has an outburst and gestures I think it was Flint that the cap the Slytherin captain that was is that right Flint I think so Flint was holding back the Weasley boys and Ron kind of reaches under Flint's yeah, arm get, I wasn't sure where you were going yeah, and, gets and under gestures his arm. toward Draco with his broken wand and he Ron has not had much success with this broken wand lately and his incantation does not go into the direction that he hopes it to be which is toward Draco it shoots out the wrong end hits Ron in the stomach causing what? causing some digestion issues some belly issues oh so just like um, just like an upset tummy take a couple tums no no he starts burping slugs ugh yeah. So there's no, you can't just, like some Alka-Seltzer? There's probably... Pe- Pepto-Bismol? Probably something, but you'd have to go to the hospital wing and explain yourself. I find that a lot in the Harry Potter books. It's like, oh, we get this whole hospital wing mm-hmm. that is dedicated to taking care of these magical ailments, but we don't want to have to explain ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we'll just suffer yeah it's really weird the the coughing up of of the slugs it's just 
keeps coming ever the burping up i guess throwing up of, of the slugs just keeps coming and the slytherin team particularly draco is having just a you know wonderful time seeing this happen to poor ron and the trio is off to hagrid's for help because of course we can't go to the hospital wing if it was me i would just say look i you know we were messing around like <laughs> I was trying to uh, make the grass turn blue or something like that, and you know, and look I look at look at this one. Yeah, look Did at the really? what, who could do anything with this one here, even though they put the uh, the magical duct tape on it. I guess it's Hello tape. Yeah, I guess it's not working. <laughs> We're off to Hagrid's for help, and it just I put in my notes here that seems like every time we go to Hagrid's, something important happens. So much stuff has happened just in this first book and a half. We had the we had a dragon birth. <laughs> we had Malfoy witnessing the dragon there and going off to tell somebody, and that sets off a whole nother chain chain, chain of events. We've had revelations about Nicholas Flamel. We've had secrets about the Philosopher's Stone being well, spilled. Hagrid, you know, he likes. He likes his drink, and he tends to say things he's not supposed to say. It just it hap It seems like every time we go to the, the Hagrid's hut, something important that's going to be relevant to the future events in the story happens. And to me, there were two important things that came out of this visit. Number one, Gilderoy Lockhart was there, and he had just left, mm -hmm. and. We know how Gilderoy likes to tell these, the experts about what they're supposed to be an expert in. He likes to give, he likes to give advice to the people who don't need the advice. Mm -hmm. for, for example, uh, Professor Sprout, I believe, when Gilderoy was telling Sprout how to take care of the Whomping Willow. She already knows. She knows way more than you do about this, man. But he thinks he's an expert on everything. And what was, I forget, I didn't write down, but what was Gilderoy helping Hagrid with? Do you remember? I don't, off the top of my head. It okay. Was some, some pest. But it, right, it was get, getting it was rid like of. like an infestation yeah. of something. And Hagrid would know, you know, maybe, maybe him and Sprout would know. You know, if it, if, if it was, you know, an infestation of some kind of plant or something like that, mm. would know, maybe, maybe Dumbledore would know more. But I think, you know, being the expert on, on things that happen around his hut, Hagrid knows how to do this. And we hate it when somebody comes and acts like they know more than us or talks down to us or acts like we're stupid. That's just society in, in general. And Hagrid feels that same way, too. He doesn't go off on Lockhart. He just kind of says things after he leaves. And that was the first thing, is that Gilderoy had just left. And after he leaves, Hagrid is openly distrusting and openly disrespectful behind his back, which is odd for Hagrid because when it comes to professors at Hogwarts, whether he likes them or not, Hagrid is always respectful. He 
he is always trusting. Even when all when the kids came to Hagrid about Snape in the last book, and and I don't, I might have been early in this book too. Hagrid is saying, "Oh, come on now." And this is Snape here that, that Hagrid's defending. Creepy, you know, goth-like Snape. But Hagrid is openly distrusting and disrespectful behind Gilderoy's back. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that Hagrid says that Lockhart wasn't the best man for the Dada job, the Defense Against the Dark Arts job. He was the only man that they could find for the job because... It is a seemingly cursed position. And I think that's important given what is going to happen in future books with that revolving door of Defense Against the Dark Arts professors. You're just shaking your head. You say, everything, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Everything, you're okay. right on so pace. Nothing, nothing you know exactly what you're supposed to know. Nothing to add to, to either one well, of those? Well, not until you get to later books. Okay. I mean, just the fact that he is, what about the fact that he is... It was Kelpie's in the well. Okay. Is what it was. Just looked. Timmy's, yeah. Timmy's stuck in the well? No, with the Kelpies. Oh. Yeah, Hagrid is usually very loyal. Mm -hmm. Very loyal to everyone at Hogwarts. And if Dumbledore chose that mm -hmm. person to work at Hogwarts, then... Hagrid is not going to second guess it. Yeah, who am I to say that this person is not right for the job if Dumbledore? Mm -hmm. But he has this loophole here. Well, Dumbledore didn't have any choice. This was the mm -hmm. only person who was willing to do it. So it gives him a little more leeway there to be like, well, you know, this isn't the Dumbledore's first choice. He doesn't say this is the best person for the job it just happens to be the only person for the job well what about the the fact that Hagrid seems to kind of be siding with Ron and Harry on the fact that they're not fully trusting of Gilderoy Lockhart either whereas Hermione even when they go to visit Hagrid she is still very adamant in the fact that he is the, the perfect person she's starstruck nobody wants to hear that about their heroes mm -hmm. not that that's exactly what she's doing but you know celebrities i just think that it that having i think hagrid's opinion really matters you know hagrid is a very upstanding person hagrid is a very like you said a very loyal person hagrid is not just somebody who does things just out of spite well and he's more of like a friend to the kids mm -hmm. than like another professor mm -hmm. so they have that a different relationship with him I, you said he's an upstanding. He he is, but technically, you know, he got expelled mm -hmm. for secret crimes. They don't know what he did, mm -hmm. and although that's not that impressive to the boys because they've nearly gotten expelled so many sure. times now, but um, you know, he's basically a, a failed a Hogwarts fail out dropout, mm -hmm. and he got his wand broke taken away, and he's not like didn't succeed at being a wizard. Mm -hmm. So I could see where most people would sneer at him, but the kids don't feel that way. But to the kids, his opinion really matters. Yeah. And if Hagrid is kind of siding with Ron and Harry and kind of having the same feelings that they are, I think that gives more credence to to what they're thinking. They're, now they're really thinking, 
we might be onto something here. This guy might not know exactly what. This is just another piece we're of adding, evidence, yeah, right? So during the visit, and we're kind of getting toward the end of the chapter here. Harry gets a history lesson on the mudblood term. Because when, when it, the situation happens on the Quidditch field, it happens so fast, Harry doesn't have time to process why that why that's such a, a bad neither word. Neither does Hermione. Hermione didn't even know mm-hmm. what it meant. She knew it was bad because of everybody else's reactions, mm-hmm. same as Harry, but she didn't really even know how he had insulted her. Which is strange because she you know seems to have come across everything in her movie. Sure, and sure. I think in the movies she does. She gets a little offended. She knows what it is. Okay. She's aware. She's probably, at movies, probably kind of assume that she's heard that term term before, you know, toward her. But marrying muggles, uh, Ron says, wizards marrying muggles kept the wizarding community alive. There wouldn't even be, might not even be a wizarding community now if, if we kept it to where only wizards married other wizards and and had babies if if wizards didn't marry muggles and uh, why in the gene pool and i was i was going back to i was, I was going to bring up uh, our dogs because you're you're the expert on on our basenji dogs who you know came out of africa uh kind of tell because uh, there's parallels there kind of just kind of give the cliff notes version of how that breed of dog almost died out. Was a it in like, of times. like in the fifties, sixties? Mm-hmm. Um, they brought them over in like the twenties, I think. Okay, so but they... they couldn't keep them alive here because they had no immunity to our diseases. Mm-hmm. So they would bring them over and they would die, and they bring them over and they would die. They ended up getting three to live, mm-hmm. and so most of our gene pool came from those three, and then like getting another one and getting another one to come over but they really attribute the starting stock here to those three unfortunately one of those three had the recessive trait for Fanconi which is horrid and it's deadly for Basenjis and over the years the generations that became extremely common even though it was recessive, and it's it's just not common in the African population of the Sinjis. Because if you're on, if you're working with a stock of three, and one of them has the trait for this horrible, deadly disease, which we lost one of ours to mm-hmm. a couple years ago, the chances of you, of chances of them thriving as as a breed are slim to none and it's late onset it doesn't show mm-hmm. up till they're seven eight nine years old mm-hmm. so at that point they've already been bred and mm-hmm. passed it on mm-hmm. to their to their puppies and you're just widening this net of disease mm-hmm. you're just making more and more even if they're just carriers you're making more and more and then you breed two carriers together mm-hmm. you get affected it's just a mess um so in the 70s the breed was in real trouble, so they went over to Africa, found more Basenjis, brought them over to mix them into our gene pool, and that was helping, but that still didn't solve the problem because it was such late onset, you are still gambling. Mm-hmm. You still didn't know which dogs had it and which didn't until it was too late. But going back to the original thought is that if they, had, they hadn't widened the gene pool there mm-hmm. with 
you gotta keep yeah you, you have know, to keep if, that in mind if they wouldn't have gone outside of just the the starting stock that they had the breed would have died out and the same thing with the with the wizarding community if they wouldn't have started marrying muggles then you know magic may have died out in the world mm-hmm. you know for all for all we know so being a, a mudblood not a, a pure blood wizard is should not be a, a derogatory thing it should be a good thing it should be a, a sign of of unity you know between the wizarding community and the non-wizarding community and it should also be so, something yeah that something that we're thankful thankful for because it really kind of saved magic in the world at the end of the chapter here it's time to pay the piper for the whomping willow fiasco <laughs> the boxing tree fiasco from a few chapters back it is detention for ron and harry in the form of trophy polishing for ron you were mentioning trends when they come back from hagrid's like when they're going back indoors yeah, nothing something good ever always happens. happens there too nothing good nothing good ever happens and then <laughs> for harry what does Harry get the pleasure of? Oh, he gets to go hang out, spend his entire evening with Professor Lockhart. Oh, cool. And that sounds like answering fun. Answering fan mail. Oh, that's not cool. He gets to address the letter, address the envelopes. I think it's funny that Ron is envious of what Harry gets to do, and Harry is envious of what Ron gets to do. The grass is always greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. Well, Ron's biggest thing is she's making him polish trophies the non-magical way right so he doesn't elbow grease. get to use magic yeah and to harry that would be no big deal he Put had your to back clean into it all the time at the Drizzlies. you know it was no big deal to have to clean something he's probably got like really strong forearms you know from polishing silver and <laughs> stuff like that i don't think there's anything really strong whereas there i mean i don't i doubt that there's any polishing of, of silver going on in the weasley household no. <laughs> he's probably ron's probably you know got good like calloused like gardening hands and yeah, stuff like that plucking the gnomes right chucking them. exactly so four hours of fan mail fun for harry when the murmurs part of our chapter comes in mudbloods and murmurs harry hears a chilling voice and this is in lockhart's office correct yes okay and the voice says come come to me let me rip you let me tear you let me kill you so Creepy. Kind of a, a, a friendly voice then. No. Oh. No. So the opposite of I think of he that? says it was, it's the voice of nightmares. Oh. Oh. You know, I thought it was just kind of like, hey, let me kill you. Let me tear you. singing. Yeah. Just like. Got a little beat to it. Yeah. No. I just thought it was, oh, uh, just messing with you. No. Totally creepy, right? Yeah. Chilly. Bone chilling. And the weird part of it is that Harry hears it. But Gilderoy seemingly doesn't, or at least he says he doesn't. Gilderoy kind of acts like Harry is has is hearing things. Yeah. yeah. Oh goodness, we've been here. It's and so that's late. When he, right. And that's when Gilderoy kind of realizes, oh, we've been here four hours. You you've probably uh, you're just uh, hearing things because you need to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, next time it won't be. Next time you get detention, it won't be so fun as this one. And Harry gets a little spooked by it. Yeah, Harry's thinking but, that, you know, how could he possibly not have heard what I heard? Mm-hmm. It was so blatantly obvious. It wasn't just, you know, something that I could have imagined. It was 
painfully obvious how audible it was. And Harry's explaining this to Ron later when they're getting ready to fall asleep. No door opened. So it couldn't have been some, even they, they kind of surmise that it could have been somebody with like an invisibility cloak, you know, maybe Draco's puts on, yeah, messing with them. Oh, I'm going to get you, Harry. But the door didn't open. Even somebody with an invisibility cloak would have had to have the door open. But there was definitely a voice. Or had have hidden in there for four hours. Sure. (laughs) And who would want to do that? No. Creepy stuff to end chapter seven. Creepy, creepy. Creepy stuff going on. Uh, anything you want to add about the chapter? Because we're going to wrap it up with our email. But I want to make sure that we get everything we, we want about Chapter 7, Mudbloods and Murmurs. Um, no, I think we pretty much covered it all. Uh, it was, it's pretty accurate to the movie. I think everything's in there. It's a little condensed. A little Things are a little shifted. Mm-hmm. But it's all in there. Stephen Colin is in the movie at this point. All right. Uh, so that was Chapter 7, Mug, Bloods, and Murmurs. We're going to wrap it up here with an email from one of our fans uh, down from the south. South? Tampa, Florida. Tampa? And it's actually Paris in Tampa, Florida. Hmm. Not Paris, I France. I was confused there for a second. <laughs> I was like, pa- wait, what? Her name is Paris Georgia from Tampa, Florida. No, I yeah. don't. I don't know what her last name is. Oh, okay. At Paris on the email, okay. but you can always email us at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com and we will do our best to read your email on the air and give you a little shout out. Or so, you can message us on Facebook. Ooh, on on the book face. And are we? Uh, are we we've on, got a review on Facebook. Are we, are we on my? Are we on MySpace? No. Not on MySpace. No. Are we on GeoCities? Are, I don't know what that one do is. Do we do smoke signals? Are we on that? Oh, yeah. Smoke signals, definitely. Definitely. All right. And Just what? Better and message us on Facebook on to tell us to look for the smoke signals. AOL Instant Messenger? No. we on that? Not on that? That's no. not a thing anymore? No. Okay. Paris from Tampa, Florida writes Just curious, who or what would your personal horcruxes be? I think I'd try to make mine random objects so they would be the last place people would look. So, can you explain, because we haven't got to the Horcrux yet, but can you explain, like, the concept of the Horcrux and then delve into the question? That's very, very dark magic Mm -hmm. that uh, Paris is asking us to play with. Um, Hypothetical. Hypothetical. Jessica. It's dark magic. Chill out, Ravenclaw. You don't have to overthink everything. <laughs> Technically. Um, so it's a you're basically tearing your soul mm-hmm. and taking off a little bit of it mm-hmm. and put it in, putting it inside an object mm-hmm. to keep it safe. And the theory is if you if your little part of your soul is trapped in this object, mm-hmm. you can't really die. Sure. Because you the rest of your soul can't go anywhere without that little piece you can mostly die yes but you can't, can't really die there's a joke in monty python in the holy grail about that he's mostly dead not dead yet he says he's not dead yes he is i'm not he isn't well he will be soon he's very ill i'm getting better no you're not you'll be stone dead in a moment or no it was uh princess bride was the <laughs> most was the mostly, mostly dead. dead well it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead 
There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Yep. Again, sorry kids, you don't know yeah, any anybody of this. under the age you don't of 30. Understand any of this. <laughs> um so something some little object um if you're really into the dark magic, you could do more than one object. Who isn't? Oh, you're not? Okay. No, I not, thought. Not a fan. Sorry, I feel like I don't even know this you. This is a little creepy. 15 years right of marriage. Now. So, but you'd want it to be something, like she said, that people wouldn't suspect. Mm -hmm. I don't know. In the stories, they're objects that are then hidden. I feel like I'd want to keep mine close to me, though, so I could keep an eye on it all the time. So you wouldn't, wouldn't want to put it in, like, the torch of the Statue of Liberty or something like that? Because you don't mean, live in New York. Yeah, I don't but... live in New York. I wouldn't be able to keep an eye on it. It'd be pretty safe up there, But it'd be though. pretty safe. Yeah, those things yeah. are pretty well guarded. Or like, in the Mona Lisa. Yeah, you got to put it in some kind of, like, treasured item that is under high security. But, but how would you get it, you know? Uh, uh, ma magic. magic. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Boom. Drop the mic magic would it be more beneficial to put it in something like that which is high profile but also high security <clears throat> rather than putting it in something mundane because nobody would even think to look in the nail on the wall that holds <laughs> the picture of your dog up there i'm just lo looking literally looking at a picture of our dog on the wall and you could put it in the the nail of the wall so any thoughts on where you want to do it first of all how many do you think everybody gets the same number of horcruxes i mean what i guess mean? i like how later on down the line voldemort's going to have parts of his soul in different places but it's seven parts right yeah well, it's how many times you're willing to rip up your soul. Okay, so that's why that's why I'm asking. And Does you it lose like that's kind of like where they talk about how he doesn't look quite mm -hmm. human anymore mm -hmm. and has all these other features. Um, that's part of it because he's lost so much of his humanity. Okay, so I didn't know if it soul. was like a set number. Like if if you're gonna do this, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. You gotta do seven of them. Okay, <laughs> seven. Six would be yours. Yeah, six, <laughs> six. of course. That's my go-to. Um. No, if if I if I was gonna do it, probably it would be once, uh -huh. because it's dark magic and you know, tearing up your soul is kind of a big deal. Uh -huh. Um, so probably just once. Maybe if I was going on like a really dangerous adventure, uh -huh. and I'm like, yeah, there's a really high likelihood I'm gonna die. Yeah. Two so or three. <laughs> maybe no, just just one, just one. I like the um, locket idea. Uh -huh. Like I said, I, I think I would want to keep it near or close or somewhere at least I know where it's at. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's not too high profile. Like, Could you put it on the collar of your dog like in Men in Black? <laughs> the galaxy is on. Bed, belt, Orion's belt. <laughs> I thought about that. Batman walked by a few minutes ago. I was like, I could put it on like his tag on his collar. Yeah, I thought about that. And then I thought about the whole um, 
book idea apparently oh really a book a that's book. a weird idea for a ravenclaw but i was thinking oh well it's not very durable but it being a whole crux makes it you'd have durable. to get a, i mean you'd have to get a hardback book of course i mean library bound hard covers mm-hmm. it's a little bit more durable mm-hmm. yeah you wouldn't want to get like a paperback or something like no. a daniel Steele novel or no. something like that no i'm a hufflepuff so of course i'm just going to keep mine in my wallet <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the glove compartment. What are you? But what is it? I mean, just like stuff in the glove compartment, like pens and so um, like an insurance in like insurance card in. for your car, and maybe the owner's manual, <laughs> uh, some paper clips that are in there, some change. Yeah, I just like stuff like that. You could just like rummage around your glove compartment. Well, you for. have to. It has to be unique enough that you would know what it is what if somebody puts some other change and paper clips in there and then you don't a, know which change of paper it'd be like a yours. purple pen like like not oh. a normal pen you it'd know be like a yellow and black pen no your no those are too common oh. like a per like a purple gel pen or something like that okay. and then maybe like a canadian penny instead of like a like a abe lincoln penny you know stuff like that uh jess is getting ready to cough because she's <laughs> laughing <laughs> At my at my his, hysterical antics here, I think that's just that's what I'd do. I'm not I'm not I'm not a fancy guy. I'm, I don't like the finer things in life. You know, I don't need to put it. Who who am I to put you know part of my soul in this, at the top of the Statue of Liberty? Who am I? I'm nobody. Glove compartment's fine, the or the wallet. It locks the glove compartment. Locks. Absolutely. Oh, I'd lock the glove compartment. I mean, I'm not. An idiot. Uh, I guess that's it. Send us where you would hide your personal horcruxes at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. And if we like what you wrote, we'll read them on air and give you a little shout out. Anything else? Are we ready to wrap this up? Um, Just to say hi to our new people that we picked up at the St. Louis Comic Con. Yeah. And sorry that it took us so long. But they probably had to start at the beginning, so maybe they won't notice that it took so long. We got Kelly listening to them. Yep, know? and she benched it, and she was done in like a week. Yeah. <laughs> Two weeks. So she was really... She spends a lot of time on the subway. She was really not sure about starting mm-hmm. to listen in to, to us uh, talk about her livelihood, which is the Harry Potter novels. Yes. And, well, no, she was upset that we kept insulting the Slytherins. I think we're pretty fair to to, to the Slytherins. All things considered, I wouldn't call us impartial. I'd say I said pretty fair. <coughs> you know, I think all things considered, I think I think we're we're pretty. We keep pretty open mind about Slytherins. We love her. We do. She's a Slytherin. She's great. So shout out to Kelly. And we met a, another girl at the Comic Con that was a Slytherin. You know, they're yeah. Slytherins. They're yeah. nice. Now shout out to Kelly. Shout out to my brother Andrew, another listener of the show. Shout yeah, out Slytherin. to Slytherin. Yeah, another Slytherin. Shout out to Paris in Tampa, Florida. Shout out to Batman and Robin, our two dogs who are joining us for the the show today. Jennifer, as always. Oh, shout out to Jennifer in California, the the world traveler herself. Is she even in the country right now as we're recording this? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. She just got back from Turks and Caicos or <laughs> Croatia or something like that? No, I don't think she's got any Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago? She's talking about going to like Afghanistan or something. I forget what she Wonder, said. It wonderful, it's wonderful this time of yes. year, I heard. Not till fall. She was talking about going in the fall. Oh, it's be- Afghanistan's beautiful in the fall. 
yeah, the bullets whizzing by your head just the, accent the, the Sarmas signing. Accent the uh, the dust in the air. Uh, I hope she doesn't uh, go over to the Middle East and expect to drive anytime soon without her uh, father or husband's permission. Yes, I just don't think she would. Wouldn't you have to have a license over there? I don't know. Like, I don't know how things work over there. I don't know, but I do have another thing. Oh, okay. Before we leave. All right. Everyone needs to go see The Darkest Minds next week. Oh, good grief. So if you're listening to this, say, three years from now, the then movie's already been out. The Darkest Minds. You're going to go rent, like, at a brick-and-mortar video store that won't be in existence in, in oh, three no. years okay, from now? Okay, get on your Netflix or... Get on your FlixNet or your... Space Flix, whatever <laughs> it is at that point. Scan the barcode in your arm. Yes. To pull up the projector in your eyeballs or in your in your glasses three years from now and watch watch all of the darkest minds movies because they'll all be out by then uh we'll see see how the first one does let's not get ahead of ourselves right mortal instruments <laughs> yeah and divergent yeah divergent couldn't even finish the series uh so this has been the ya podcast covering mm-hmm. all things young adult all novels things. With Dan and, and Jess. history and lesson. Yeah. And and politics. And politics. Yeah, we cover, we cover all your bases everything. here. Uh, not great at anything, but we give you a little bit of everything. So for Broomsticks and Butterbeer, I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Google Play. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on Spoke Signals. You can find it on various platforms. Oh, your arms are going to get tired putting all this out in smoke signals. Uh, well, I guess i got to start working my core. Because... Uh, <laughs> we just kayaked If we're going to get this podcast out, I'm going to have to need a little commitment. Yeah. So thanks, everybody, for downloading, subscribing, listening, and spreading the word. Send us your emails at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com, and we will see you next time. Bye. Those fingers in my hair That sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft And I've got no defense for it